Howdy, and welcome to Wise About Texas, the Texas History Podcast. This is your host, Ken Wise, and I want to thank you very much for tuning in to this episode 39. It is hard to believe that we are up to 39 episodes over the past year and a half. The show has been downloaded uh, over 89,000 times in 54 countries, and I never thought when I started this project that we'd get to that point. Um, I will say, for some reason, we do not have a download in South Dakota. So if anybody out there knows anyone in South Dakota, let's make that the 50th state. We're in the other 49 in a couple of territories. And I'm still having just a ton of fun doing this podcast, and I really appreciate how well-received it's been. And we've just finished the high holy season of Texas history, culminating in the anniversary of the Battle of San Jacinto on April 21st. The Texas Revolution is always a fascinating subject. And there were so many moving parts, you never really get to the bottom of the Texas Revolution. Well, you know, one of the challenges of doing this podcast is approaching the revolution in a way that we can keep talking about different aspects of it year after year and aren't stuck just covering one subject at a time and never being able to do that subject again because you'd just be repeating yourself. The, the approach that I'm taking on the podcast is to tell smaller pieces of the bigger picture so that we don't exhaust the topic. And I think I'm going to do that with some of the other big subjects of Texas history that I need to start addressing, so, such as the Indian tribes and the settling of Texas and the Texas Rangers, Sam Houston, that sort of thing. Sam Houston, you, you know, for example, you just can't do justice to Sam Houston, his life and career in one or two episodes. There are so many aspects of his life and career that merit discussion. So I think I'm going to tell individual stories in there and try to weave the whole story over the course of several episodes. And I'd certainly love your thoughts on that approach. So shoot me an email at host at wiseabouttexas.com or tweet uh, at wiseabouttexas or the show's Facebook page. And let me know what you think about that and any suggestions you have about stories that you'd like to hear. I would love to hear from you. All right. Well, today in episode 39, we're going to talk about the revolution, but not the Texas revolution. We're going to talk about the American revolution. Did you know that Texas won the American revolution? Well, that might be overstating it a bit, a bit, but I want to tell you about the role of Texas in the American Revolution. Uh, so let's go back to the 1700s and get wise about Texas. Now, the first thing we need to mention is the relationship between Spain and England around the time of the American Revolution. They were at war all the time. They were both empires, and the nature of empires is to acquire territory, and Spain and England were definitely in the business of acquiring territory. Uh, so when one of them was having a rough time, the other one was just ready to pounce, and an opportunity was about to present itself in the British colonies in North America because the colonists in the mid-1700s uh, we're getting a little out of line, at least from George III's point of view. Now, we all know how the American Revolution started. Taxation without representation, throw the tea into the harbor, that sort of thing. The British started shooting at the rebels. But let's look at what was happening in San Antonio de Bejar at the time. San Antonio had become the capital of the province of Texas in 1773, although it was not regarded as a very nice place at the time. The population was about 2,000 people, but the accounts of the time described San Antonio as a fairly rough place to live. 
The missions were still owned by the church, but they were well on their way to becoming secularized because the whole scheme of settling New Spain with the mission program was failing. And finally, in 1795, that's when the last mission was secularized. So that was the situation in San Antonio at the time of the American Revolution. Now we need to talk about an individual named Bernardo de Galvez, G-A-L-V-E-Z. Galvez was born in 1746 in Malaga, Spain. He joined the military. He was an officer during the war between Spain and Portugal. He moved to what was New Spain, where he served as a commandant, and during this time he fought the Apache Indians, and he was likely the commander of the first organized resistance of any size to Indian raids in North America, at least as we think of Indian raids. And some of that activity was actually in West Texas. Galvez pursued some Apaches from uh, that had raided into Mexico uh, all the way to the Pecos River, where he uh, found two crossings of the Pecos, one called Paseo de Matias and one called Paseo de Galvez. Uh, the Matias crossing later became Horsehead Crossing, which was fairly famous. It was used by the Comanches on their raids down into Mexico. The famous Butterfield Overland Mail Route, the stagecoaches used that crossing, and um, Charles Goodnight and Oliver Loving made it part of the Goodnight Loving Trail. But Galvez was there first, uh, chasing Apaches in West Texas. Galvez eventually returned to Europe. He saw some military action in Europe and in Africa. And then he was transferred back to the New World and made governor of Louisiana in 1777, which, of course, was during the American Revolution. And between 1777 and 1779, uh, Galvez was already instrumental in helping the American cause. There's lots of correspondence between he and Thomas Jefferson, Patrick Henry, and other of our founding fathers. In 1779, um, Spain officially declared war on Great Britain, trying to capitalize on the fact that uh, England was having to fight the war in the New World. Um, while Galvez was governor of Louisiana, he made sure that no ships other than the American, Spanish, or French ships could enter New Orleans or go up the Mississippi River. And that was critically important during the American Revolution because the Mississippi provided a very efficient way for the colonists to receive supplies without having to worry about the British warships in the Atlantic. They could take the supplies up the Mississippi and then overland from west to east and supply Washington's army. Well, after Spain declared war on Britain, the King of Spain authorized Galvez to conduct operations against the British. And that's when Galvez called on Texas for aid. The Spanish governor of Texas was a man named Domingo Caballo y Robles. And let me mention a little something about him. He actually, Caballo y Robles, made a peace treaty with the Comanches in 1785 which lasted almost 15 years. Now, that's very significant because when we discussed the Comanche Indians, there was only one real peace treaty that seemed to stick in any measure, and that was the one made by John Musabach up in Fredericksburg in the 1840s. But Caballo y Robles had actually accomplished it in the late 1700s. He also instituted, while governor of Texas, some regulations regarding cattle and cattle brands to try to eliminate the cattle wrestling that was apparently rampant around Behar at the time. He was headquartered there at San Antonio de Behar, and the missions around San Antonio ran large ranching operations. 
Well, those ranches were also the nearest and most reliable source of provisions for Bernardo de Galvez. So Galvez sent word to the governor and asked if he would supply beef to Galvez's army from the herds around San Antonio, and it worked. The governor gathered cattle from the missions, and they drove the cattle east to feed Galvez's army as he conducted operations against the British. They'd assemble the herds at Presidio La Bahia at Goliad, and they drove them to Louisiana, and not only cattle, but also horses for the cavalry and the artillery. The cowboys were the vaqueros from the private ranches and also soldiers from the Presidio. So if you thought that the cowboys of the late 19th century were the first ones to drive cattle up the trail, you would be wrong. Those late 18th century cattle drives can fairly be called the first cattle drives in Texas. Well, Galvez put the food to good use. He took a force of over 1,000 soldiers, and he fought the British in Natchez. He fought them in Baton Rouge. He fought them in Monshock. To great success, Galvez uh, then laid siege to Fort Charlotte in Mobile Bay. Fort Charlotte was originally a French fort. They had named it Fort Condé. Uh, the British took it and renamed it Fort Charlotte. And on February 13, 1780, Galvez sailed into Mobile Bay. He offered the British commander an opportunity to surrender, which the British commander declined, thinking that reinforcements were on the way. We've heard that story before. So Galvez set up some artillery and started pounding Fort Charlotte with cannonballs. And finally, in March, the British surrendered the fort to Galvez, who promptly changed the name to Fort Carlotta, the Spanish version of Charlotte. And uh, Galvez also moved on and attacked and captured Pensacola in 1781. The Battle of Pensacola was protracted. They finally uh, got some information about where the powder magazine was in the fort, and uh, aimed the howitzer right there, hit it, blew it up, and uh, led the British to surrender that fort. So Galvez basically conducted, opened up a second front uh, against the British and was of material aid to the Americans in winning the American Revolution. And he wasn't really finished at Pensacola. He attacked the Bahamas. He captured New Providence in the Bahamas, which was a British naval base. And he was preparing to launch a massive attack on Jamaica. But the British had surrendered to the Americans before he could launch. And he actually participated, Galvez participated, in drafting the Treaty of Paris, which was the treaty that ended the American Revolution. Um, so, as you can see, it was... Uh, Texas cattle that fueled the army that opened up that southern front against the British and made it much, much harder to fight the rebellious American colonies. Galvez was uh, lauded by the American government as well he should have been. Uh, he soon returned to Europe but was uh, then recalled to New Spain and lived in Mexico City. And as Viceroy, he rebuilt the castle of Chapultepec, which remains one of the leading attractions in Mexico, and he also built that huge cathedral of Mexico in Mexico City, which to this day is the largest cathedral in the Western Hemisphere. And when he died in 1786, he was buried in the wall of the Church of San Fernando, but his heart was removed and placed in an urn in the cathedral of Mexico. Um, one more thing about Galvez. While he was viceroy of New Spain, he had a survey conducted of the Gulf Coast, and the mapmaker named the biggest bay on the coast 
La Bahia de Galveston, or as we know it today, Galveston Bay. And of course, Galveston Island also refers to Galvez, although he never set foot on the island. There's much more uh, about Bernardo Galvez's life that we'll cover in other episodes, uh, but the point I wanted to make was the story of his decision to fuel his campaign against the British uh, with meat from Texas, and he originated the cattle drives uh, to what was then a military market. So the memory of Galvez and the contributions of Texas to the American Revolution live on. Well, now we come to the part of the show I call Getting There, where I tell you how to go see some of the places I talked about in the episode. I want to start with the Horsehead Crossing on the Pecos River. If you will go out to West Texas to a town called Girvin, G-I-R-V-I-N, which is between Fort Stockton and McCramey on State Highway 385, you will find the intersection of 385 and Farm Road 11. Go north on Farm Road 11 and you'll see Horsehead Road, which goes off to your right. We go to the end of Horsehead Road, and uh, that'll be about where Horsehead Crossing is. Now, I do not know. uh, I have not been there myself, so I cannot tell you if it's private property or if it's accessible, uh, but that's where it is. If you want to go down to Mexico and investigate Chapultepec Castle, built by Bernardo de Galvez, or the Cathedral of Mexico, the Cathedral of Mexico, of course, is in the Plaza at Mexico City, very beautiful place, and uh, Chapultepec Castle has a great museum. Um, in that museum, you'll find the flag of the New Orleans Grays captured at the Alamo, which uh, is down there on display. And why not remember Bernardo de Galvez by going down to Galveston Island, uh, mapped in that survey that he ordered. And uh, once again, the Bryan Museum deserves a mention because in the Bryan Museum are some old maps of Galveston, from the colonial time period uh, and a figure in colonial uniform that would have uh, been what Bernardo de Galvez might have looked like. And so that's always a good stop when you're down there on his namesake island. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of Wise About Texas. Thank you very much for listening and supporting the podcast. Uh, check out our Facebook page, Wise About Texas. We're on Twitter and Instagram at wise about texas and if you'd like to support the show you can make a pledge at patreon.com slash wise about texas that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash wise about texas thanks again for listening and go out and do something for the state of texas today and until next time god bless texas and we'll see you down the road